0: welcome to the third city christian church podcast this week's message is the kingdom is now part three
1: prayer recorded sunday january 30th 2022 if you have a story about how god is working in your life please let us know by sending an email to podcast at thirdcityc.org now here's scott with today's message we're in our fourth week already in the book of mark and we've only gone through 28 verses this might take a while Hope you're here for the long haul. Jesus has been baptized. He spent 40 days in severe temptation in the wilderness. And uh, he then called some fishermen to follow him. And there's like a year's worth of things that happened that aren't even listed by Mark that other gospel writers have talked about. And, and, and now his cousin John has been in th- has been thrown into jail. And, and so last week we learned that he went into a synagogue, he taught, and he healed a man, he exercised demons out of a man. Now, there's a lot of reasons why people miss church. I'm glad you're here today, by the way. If you're here online, I'm glad you're joining us. There's a lot of people who, who, who miss church, and, and there's reasons, you know, I mean, it was, but that was a day that, that day when Jesus went to the, you wouldn't want to miss that day. Like, can you imagine the conversation? Some guy leaves church and sees his buddy who usually is in the synagogue, but he wasn't there that day. He says, hey, man, I missed you at church today. Yeah, well, you know, the Fox pregame's early today because it's playoff day, and, and uh, you know, kids have had the flu, and we didn't know if we wanted to get them, you know, you know how that's been. Everybody knows what that means. And uh, so, uh, was it a good service? Oh, you wouldn't believe it. This guy named Jesus showed up. Unbelievable. Remember Crazy Billy? He's not crazy anymore. Huh? Yeah, he, he, he exorcised demons out of him. Oh, man. See, don't miss church. You never know what's going to happen. That's all I'm going to say about that. Let's pick it up with what happens next. This is the same day, same day. Verse 29 in Mark 1. Now, as soon as they'd come out of the synagogue, they entered the house of Simon and Andrew with James and John. But Simon's wife's mother, that means mother-in-law. I don't know why they go through the length of that. Lay sick with a fever... And they told him about her at once. Wouldn't you? Like, you're coming to someone's house today, and they, oh, grandma's got a fever. No, not going in. Well, he didn't do that. He came and took her by the hand, lifted her up, and immediately the fever left her, and, he, and she served him. Here's something to pull out of that, just one simple thing. When Jesus touches a person, the most natural result is to get up and serve. That's really what our, you know, if Jesus has really touched someone's life, you know it because they're now serving others. I'm just going to throw that out. Let's, let's go forward. Uh, verse 32, at evening when the sun had set, so some time goes by, they brought to him all who were sick and those who were demon-possessed. And the whole city, kind of a, you know, exaggeration, maybe a little bit, maybe a little bit, the whole city was gathered together at the door Then they healed many who were sick. He healed many who were sick with various diseases and cast out many demons. And he did not allow the demons to speak because they knew him. So people leave the synagogue, and you know what they did. They're they're like you are not going to believe what just happened. And they're telling their friends and their family and their neighbors. And so people didn't go right away to find Jesus because here's why. In their religion, it it was not allowed to to travel on the Sabbath, and it was not allowed to work on the Sabbath. So, for instance, if they were going to put someone on a stretcher and take them to see Jesus, that would be considered work. So they wouldn't do that until after sunset. But how long do you think after sunset it took for Jesus to heal and to exercise all the demons of that community, how long, that would have taken a long time to deal with all those people lined up to go through that experience. And so think about this. It was, it's just really a, a very intense time. Verse 35, now in the morning, having risen a long while before daylight, he, Jesus, went out and departed to a solitary place, and there he prayed. So again, it's an exhausting experience, I would think. It probably went well into the morning, all these healings that he was doing, and his disciples are exhausted but are in a state of euphoria, really, because they see the popularity that's mounting for Jesus, but he, he, he withdraws. He goes to a place to play, pray. Now the fishermen, they're new to all this, and so they they wake up and you know they're pretty fired up even though they're exhausted. And they look out and there's like already a line forming. You know, people are coming because they missed out on last night, and so you know they might be thinking all kinds of things. We could start a church here. We could take an offering and help us with our expenses. You know, they're they're thinking the the crowds are coming. He's getting popular. Let's let's exploit this. Let's get on this. This is a great opportunity. So Simon and those who were were with him, you know, these fishermen, they searched for him. When they found him, they said to him, everyone's looking for you. Come on. I mean, think about it. This day started at a religious service where he exercised the demons. It carries over to Peter's home after sunset where he, he heals a ton of people. Here's my question for you, though, today. What can we learn from Jesus in the margin of this? Not just the, you know, the overt stuff, you know, the, you know, the healings, the casting out of demons, the, you know, him going to the synagogue and teaching. uh, What can we learn from him? Here's what we're going to learn. Look at verse 38. So they came, Jesus, the crowds are waiting. He said to them, let us go to the next towns that I may preach there also. Because that is why I have come forth. And he was preaching in their synagogues throughout all Galilee and casting out demons. Why was he there? Why had he come? To preach. To tell the the gospel. To, To let people know there's hope. Mark had already told us that he came to proclaim the good news. And I have to point this out, because if I'm going to be in the kingdom of Christ, if I'm going to call myself a Christ in, I too have to embrace that mission, and so do you. His mission is to proclaim the good news. It's not to fix the people. That's what I need you to hear here. I mean, in fact, this whole onslaught of broken people show up to get fixed, and he says to the disciples, hey, guys, we got to get out of here, huh? There's a lot of need back there, friend. I know, but that's not why I'm here. See, something happened in that time of prayer. Now, it got me thinking, though, about the people he left behind. Like, this week, it really kind of agonized me. I mean, what about Kevin? Like Kevin, I'm just making up this name. So Kevin's this guy, and and there's somebody who was there the night before, and he maybe Jesus healed somebody in their life or fixed. Maybe it was them. So he goes, I got to go talk to Kevin. Kevin needs this. So it's like it's like early in the morning. It's before sunrise, and someone's pounding on Kevin's door. Kevin, wake up! Who's out there? It's me. It's, it's Frank. Frank, what are you doing here? It's early in the morning. You you're not gonna believe it. There's a guy here who can. Your daughter, your three-year-old, the one who can't walk, you need to take her to see this guy. Well, who is he? He's Jesus, and he healed a bunch of people last night. He healed me. What? Now Kevin's a desperate guy. You know, his daughter, three-year-old, hasn't walked her whole life. I'm just making this up. This is a scenario. I'm just trying to show you something about this. I mean, so, so Kevin goes to, 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 the, to the fisherman's house where he was last night thinking Jesus is going to come out in the morning. He's going to start doing this stuff again. And they, he waited in line, and he waited in line, and he waited some more. And it's mid-morning, and there's no Jesus. Finally, someone shows up and says, hey, I don't think he's coming. What do you mean? Well, somebody said that he and the, and the fisherman, they tailed out of town. Huh? Where'd they go? I don't know. Something about preaching somewhere. Really? Really? All these crushed and disappointed people there. And you'd have to to ask the question. I'm asking the question, Jesus, what's more important than those other villages that you left behind in this one? Kevin's daughter? See, something happened that reminded Jesus in that quiet place why he came. And he came. Because he was supposed to do something. And we need to understand this. We need to embrace and understand that Jesus' primary reason for coming into our world was to preach a message to save others. That's why he came. So, there's some lessons that we're going to learn about this along the way, and they're not just going to stop here in this passage. We're going to see them all the way through this this discovery period with Jesus in the book of Mark, but there's three dangers that we're alerted to as the kingdom of God unfolds to us, and and they're just as dangerous for us as they were for Peter and and for uh, John and James and and Andrew and those crowds of people that were waiting at, at the door. Here's the first thing. Religion can actually keep us from Jesus. Religion. I have to say that many of us, when we see ourselves in the line for Jesus, it's like a consumer mentality. It's centered around the idea that Jesus needs to fix something in my life, fix something in my loved one's life, heal something that I can't heal or the doctors can't touch. He needs to make me happy, make me whole, and that I'm going to get that through religion. Now, what is religion? Religion is to link or to bind. And in the right way, religion joins us to Jesus. In the wrong way, though, it binds us and enslaves us to be away from God because we think we can do something to earn what he has for us. That's a danger, and we're going to see this. I'm not going to talk much about today because we're going to experience this in several places. Here's the second thing. Chasing the miracles, not the message. It's a danger, friend. Jesus only did something like 37 miracles that we know of. Now, now he probably did more. I'm sure he did, as a matter of fact. But only 37 made the cut in the four Gospels. So if you do the math on that, my friend Nick Shonlau wanted to remind me what the math was because I did it in the first service. It was way off. He said, that's something like, like, a, like 10.7 miracles a year. Okay, I said, well, I'm not a mathematician. I'm a preacher. He goes, I know that. We all know that. Okay. So in other words, it wasn't a lot of miracles. That's all I'm saying. He did the miracles for a reason, but it wasn't the reason that we might think. The message is that if we're in line just for the stuff, just for the goodies, just for the Jesus power, I'm in the wrong line. I need to be in the line because he came to preach to learn. That's that's the line I need to be in. Now, here's the third thing. Seeking God for success, not surrender, is a danger. These disciples, you know they liked the popularity they were seeing. Who wouldn't? So, you know, they come and say, Jesus, they're lining up, man, we got a big day ahead of us. And he's like, hey, boys, we got to leave town, huh? No, 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 you don't understand. Yeah, I do know. My father's reminded me in this time of prayer. I'm here for a different reason. I'm not here to fix everything. I'm here to build a kingdom. That kingdom is going to be built on his teaching, his preaching. And and it's going to be those who surrender to me who are going to be in this kingdom. And so somehow that message came to life for him in that time of solitude. That's what I believe. This is a really important lesson for all of us to learn. I, I, I'm just going to be very frank with you about me at this moment because, look, I have had a week, okay, a week or two. Like, I, I just went to my fourth funeral yesterday. Somebody I love, my brother-in-law. Last week it was my dad. My dad. I'm doing a service tomorrow for a family that's just devastated by what's happened in their life in the last few weeks. And now here's another one they're dealing with. It's been a rough go. I'm just being honest with you. And, and, and the Scott that wants to go to the slot machine God and say, God, give me something, give me something, give me something. It's like, that doesn't work. It doesn't work. Because here's what I have been learning again in this time of challenge. God isn't here to be handy or useful to me. God is in my life because he's worthy, and he deserves that from me. So look at what happens. There's some secrets that come out of this prayer time for him. that, that, And and, and maybe this is just something that, I don't know, I picked up on and I thought, well, maybe this will help all of us. But what is the secret to prayer? Well, just look, I'm just going to say it right out at the front. The secret to prayer is simply having secret prayer. I mean, in other words, it's not the length of your public prayers or the way you pray in front of people that matters, or even if you do it. It's really what it, it's really about the the power of your private moments with God, your relationship with God. Let, let me just explain this, and this is the only way it worked for me, so I'm gonna say it to you and I hope it helps. Because prayer for me is very confusing. It has been my whole life. Like, I notice I go to a small group. I'm a part of that small group, and I, and I do the same things that I'm about to tell you about. So it's time for prayer. And oftentimes, we start making like a long line for healing is what happens then. So it's, prayer becomes like a long line of requests. So... You know, Aunt Gladys has her goiter, and it hasn't gone away yet. And my sister's marriage is in trouble, and it was five years ago, and it still is today. And my neighbor has COVID, and whose neighbor doesn't have COVID, okay? So now it's okay. I'm not, and I'm sorry. If If I'm making light of that, I'm sorry. I'm not trying to. I'm just making a point. Is it okay to pray for people we're concerned about? Yes or no? Yes, of course it is. Do, but I don't really think we often get to the real purpose of prayer because that's the only place we go. We're just in the line, you know, waiting for Jesus to show up and do something for us. Maybe he'll do something for one of us. I'm just saying. And, and it's awkward. By, by the way, I would say these, these, these small group prayers can be kind of awkward. Like, what if, for instance, what if she goes first? You know who she is? The lady that sounds like Mother Teresa. So her words are so perfect and beautiful. And she obviously knows God more than any of the rest of us. I'm not following her. I sound like a dolt compared to her. So, and by the way, do you want to throw your dirty laundry out in the middle of the room for everybody else to look at and pick through? Like I'm, for me, that's like the worst thing ever. I'm not doing that. But maybe that's because I just don't understand prayer. What is prayer? I think the prayer is to speak to God And to use the language that he gives me to do so. Not some spiritual holy gobbledygook like, Thou Father who art in heaven, we beseech and bequest thee by the divine mercies of thy... Look, I mean, if that's how you talk in real life, go ahead and do that. By all means, use that language. I mean, if you talk to your husband that way, my dearest husband who art in the the recliner... I beseech and encourage you by the power and mercy of the God Almighty himself to get out of that recliner and take thy trash out to thou trash bin because it stinketh my house up forthwith. Yeah, if you talk that way, go see a counselor, number one. Number two, your husband laughs at you all the time. Number three, uh, you know what I'm trying to say here. There's no language for this other than the language you speak. And by the way, here's another thing. People say, oh, you need to have a special prayer language to talk to God. And there's whole groups of religions that, that have these things, and from all different walks of life. And, like, I would say this. Like, if, if you need to have some secret prayer language, to talk to God, I would remind you that unless He has truly imparted on you the miraculous ability without any help to speak Spanish or French or Russian or German or Chinese or Arabic, to speak the truth of Jesus to another person, that is nothing. It's a sham. I'm just saying it. When Jesus prayed, he said what? Like in this experience. In this experience, when he prayed, what did he say? Oh, you don't know, do you? Because it's not there. And it's a good thing it's not there because when people and in, in religions see Jesus' words, they canonize those words, then they become rituals. The secret, to prayer is, the secret to prayer is to pray. That's what the secret is. What is prayer? I'm going to go through these very quickly because I, I want us to pray together. And I think we can do that in a way that's going to be effective today. Dan's going to help us with this in a few minutes. What is prayer? Prayer is not so much something we do. It's someone we are with. It's like being in relationship when you talk to someone. It's communication to a God who is in relationship with you. I mean, let me ask you this question. It's it's kind of a trick question. I'm just warning you. So, are there any people you have relationships with that you don't talk to? The answer is yes, your enemies. So if you don't talk to God, what does that say about you and God? Okay, I'm just asking you. I don't want to talk to Him. Well, it's not about that. It's about, it's, about, it's about Him. It's about that you're with God and you're speaking to God. Okay, let me go further. Prayer is not about getting what I want. It is about connecting with who I'm talking to. The goal is not in, in prayer, if I'm really on task with the Lord, it's not to get what I want, it's to connect. One of the great fallacies that we think of as prayer is the religious fallacy. We think God is the Wizard of Oz. We think that we're either the Tin Man, the Lion, Dorothy, or the Scarecrow, or someone else asking the wizard to give us what we want, and we're terrified to do it. And then we wait for him to do it, and by the way, it didn't happen. At least it didn't happen the way we thought we would. How many of you, when you go to pray, don't raise your hand. You How many of you, the goal is when you pray to get what you want? I mean, I'm full disclosure, I find myself there more often than not. Like, by the way, I have some friends who are great, really good prayers. Like, they, they really understand it. If, if there's some great need I have, I, I always engage them. I know their hearts are right with the Lord, and they, when they talk to God, things happen. But something happened for me years ago that changed my attitude toward prayer, and it goes to the third thing I want to teach you. Prayer is both talking and listening. Now, I was a preacher in Arapaho, was west of here, and I was learning about prayer. I was in a seminary class. They were teaching some things about it. And I realized I had a long way to, to go. I really didn't feel like I was very successful at communicating with God, and that's what I was learning to do. So this one day I just said, God, I'm listening. Well, I, don't, I don't know what you're going to say, if anything, but I'm going to listen. So I had to go downtown for something. Now, for, for me to go downtown was like two blocks from my car. It's like really crazy. I even drove, but I did. This day I did. And I'm going by down the street, and I go by Jeannie's house. Jeannie had lost her husband of 60 years that year, I think, it was like in, within the last 12 months of that time. And I didn't hear like some audio, stop at Jeannie's house. It wasn't that way. But just something inside me said, you need to see Jeannie. So I'm, I'm in this experience of listening, right? I'm saying, God, I'm listening. So, okay, pulling in the driveway, kind of awkward. I walk, I walk up to the door, and Jeannie opens the door, sobbing. I'm like, Jeannie, you okay? I just thought I'd stop and see how you're doing. She looked at me in the eye and she said, how did you know? I said, "How how did I know what? How did you know that I just prayed, God, I am so desperately lonely and hurting. Would you just send someone to talk to me? That showed me something about prayer that day that I'll never forget. I need to listen more. I need to listen more. And I wonder about my prayer. Am I used to doing all the talking? I mean, when you're prompted, are you obeying? I mean, see, the goal of prayer is to communicate with God. And communication is a two-way street. And and, and it means that you've got to listen a little bit. Now, here's another thing. Prayer is the key to union with God and separation from the enemy. Prayer is the key to unity with God. If I'm going to have a meaningful relationship with God, or with anyone for that matter, I've got to be in communication with that entity or person. You might be thinking, well, I always feel so awkward praying. Yeah, because communication is awkward. Like I was thinking about this this week, like how we'll come in here, you know, on a Sunday morning or whenever you come to church experiences and and, you know, we'll see each other across the plaza and, I might wave at you, and you're like, "Eh, preacher, better wave back. And it's kind of awkward, right? And we've never really talked, and so you get enough courage to come talk to the dummy that's up on the stage, and you walk over, and hi, I'm, and you give me their name, which I really appreciate, by the way. Thank you for telling me your name every time you come for about five years. So it helps me, and I'll say mine back, and you'll go, yeah, I know. But anyway... So it's awkward, and we do that thing, and it, and it, but you know what? We do some life together, like we finally find ourselves in a situation where ministry's happening, we're serving together, or it might be that we're in a small group together. It might be that I'm serving your family somehow because you've had a wedding or even a, a, a memorial service, and, and it's, it's amazing how it builds up our ability to communicate, and this is how it is with God. Jesus felt it necessary to continue to communicate with his Father and to take the time and effort to do it. Let me just ask you this question. When was the last time you went into a time of solitude, you set down your worries, your concerns, you said, God, I can't get enough of you and I'm going to listen? And you might read some scripture and you might pray words of concern or of praise, whatever those words are, whatever you would say to a God who's listening to you, and then you listen. One more thing, and then Dan's going to come out. Prayer is more about changing your life, not changing his mind. Prayer is about changing my life, not his mind, because we aren't trying to direct God. We're not trying to manipulate God. We are praying for God to change, change us, change circumstances that are beyond our control, change the things that God knows needs to be changed, and we just want to agree with him on that. You know, there's a story about a man who came to his dad, young man, he said, God, he said, Dad, well, it's a story about God, but the story is about a man and his son. The the kid says, Dad, give me, give me, give me, give me, give me my stuff, give me my inheritance. Give, give, give me this. So dad reluctantly hands over the inheritance. And you know the story. It's called the story of the prodigal son. Jesus told it. This guy runs off into the, the wild of, of, you know, the, the big city, and he, and he blows all the money on wine, women, and song, and whatever else he could spend it on. And he, he is reduced to having nothing, to having to feed pigs for his existence and to eat the food that the pigs would discard. That's how deeply down he went this give me, give me, give me, give me, give me, son. Well, finally, he's in the, in the midst of the pit, and he, he has this thought. <laughs> Man, I think there's more for me. I mean, I, he came to a sense as, I changed my mind about my father. Maybe I can go there, and I can, I can actually open up my life to him, and he'll hear me. And so he goes back, and if you know the story, you know the father restored him to full sonship. And this, this kid, this, this kid who's saying, give me, give me, give me, becomes this man who says, Father, make me, make me, make me. That summarizes what prayer is.
0: Well, we want to take uh, just a couple minutes to actually do this together. If you've read through the book of Mark, maybe you've noticed that there's not a whole lot of big teaching moments of Jesus. What we actually read is a whole lot of example of how he lived his life and who he hung around with and what he did with his time. And both are important. We want to grow in truth, but we also want to be imitators of Jesus and of his way. And so this morning, we're gonna pray together. We're gonna take just a a couple of minutes of of stillness and silence. I'm gonna lay out just a couple of ground rules. Like Scott kind of joked about, but taught us, it's not about the right words, right? It's about expressing your heart effectively to our God. And the second one is that prayer is not intended to be an exercise in guilt. If you're like me, your mind wanders. If you're like me, you fall asleep when you're trying to pray. All kinds of things seem to interrupt, and then you start to think, "Well, I'm not. I'm just not any good at this." Uh, it's not supposed to be an exercise in guilt. So, as we're praying together, if your mind wanders, pray about where it wanders to. If, if, it, if it wanders to, so I wonder how my kids are doing in Kid City, or uh, wanders to what's going on with our, our, you know, whatever. Pray about that thing. If you start to think about the Chiefs, don't pray for the Chiefs. Maybe (laughs) pray for the people that you're going to watch that game with and ask that it would be more than a football game. And so just go where your mind goes in a prayerful mindset. So the first thing I'm going to ask you to do is just to to lay your hands on your lap, palms facing up. I think it's really hard to become defensive (laughs) When you're sitting like that, there's something freeing and something surrendering about doing that. And then we're going to breathe together. And I'm going to ask you to take some deep breaths, as deep as you can. And as you breathe in, I just want you, one time we're going to go, as you breathe in, say, be. And as you breathe out, loved. It's a reminder of who he thinks you are. So breathe in. As we do that another time, as you breathe in, just proclaim the name Jesus. And as you breathe out, show me your way. this time as you breathe, would you just, the phrase, remind me of your presence. This next breath. Right. It's a moment of trust and a moment of proclaiming the phrase Jesus, you are enough. So Jesus taught us those words let your kingdom come. We want to be a little bit more specific about that. As you you hear that phrase or as you repeat that phrase, who or what comes to mind? Take a breath. This next breath a question for you and maybe it's a chance for for God to speak to you what will you do with or about that thing or that person that came to your mind Maybe prayer is a little bit simpler than you have thought that it was. This is something that you can do. Our father wants to connect with us in that kind of way. And he gave us a moment that we practice as a church every week together, where we take communion together. And it really is this moment of prayer. It's this moment of of receiving, again, grace, the idea of grace, but it's also this moment of saying thank you. the greatest gift we've ever been given and so together we're going to take communion this morning and so if you would take your piece of bread this piece of bread that uh, reminds us uh, of Jesus, reminds us of his example, reminds us of what he did for us, reminds us that he gave everything for us and we take that together And then we take this noisy little cup that we've grown to love. We peel it back. And the key word for me here, the key words are poured out. Jesus' blood was not spilled. It was poured out. It, It was a willful act on his part to love us with this one sacrifice for all people of all times who will claim his name as Lord and Savior. So, Lord, we say thank you. People who uh, had no answer to the things that messed us up, we found an answer in you. We thank you for modeling for us what it looks like to recenter yourself in moments of prayer. And we thank you for this moment where together, we get to do the same exact thing to be recentered and recalibrated in who you are and what you have for us we pray that in jesus name amen
1: there's a couple of things i want to leave you with today because i I'd, you know there's like a couple last things i'd i'd like to not happen in this you know i just don't want to happen in a sermon like this and here's the first thing if i'm only coming to god to get what i want I do wonder if maybe he's running from me. Like, you know, I know it's a metaphor, but these people who are in line, and they just learned about him, so they're different than we are, but we've been around Jesus for a while, you know? And it really sounds harsh when I say this, but do you have a friend or a family member who, like, when you look at your phone and it's that, their caller, the caller ID brings them up, do you go, uh, no, not, 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 not now. <laughs> Don't have time for that again, or whatever. Do you have, I mean, You probably do. And I I know they have needs, and maybe you're even the answer to their needs. But but you're saying, I I can't do this. Here's a question. What might God see when you come up on his caller ID? Could it be, what do they want now? Because if that's the case, it's time to grow up in your understanding of communicating with your God who loves you so much. I'm just saying maybe, just maybe, the reason why God isn't answering your prayers is because he knows that if he does, he will never hear from you again. Just saying. If he gave you what you wanted, maybe you'd never come back. Now, here's another thing. This is, please hear me. Prayerlessness could be my greatest sin because it, it says that I think I'm in charge. The last thing I would want to happen as you leave this experience today is to say, man, I just can't talk to God now. Like, my world's all upside down now. I've, I think I've been this person that goes to the slot machine. Ching, ching, ching. How do I do this? Or maybe you say, no, I got this. I got this. I can do this life on my own terms. I don't need God. That's even worse. And so I would just say, try this. I think it'll work for you. It it seems like it works for most people. You read your Bible. You're going through Mark. You read scripture. You say the things that are on your heart like Dan showed us today. And then you listen. You listen until he says something. And then you do it. It's pretty much that simple. Thanks for listening to the Third City Christian Church podcast. Please join us for one of our worship services at 9, 10, 15, or eleven thirty a.m. in Grand Island and at ten fifteen a.m. in Broken Bow on Facebook Live and at thirdcityc.online.church each Sunday. For more information about Third City Christian Church, send email to podcast at thirdcityc.org call us at 308-384-5038 or visit us online at thirdcityc.org